Welcome to the Student Leadership Podcast, a series of conversations about working with students in and through the local church. My name is Brogan Hume. I'm the student worker at The Belfry in York, and it is great to have you with us today. I'm joined today by Esther Swaffield-Bray, talking about engaging students in social justice. Here's a bit of what is coming up on the show. It's like there is a, a spirit at work here that is raising up a generation who are, who are really passionate about this stuff. We're in a fortunate time, I think, where, where justice-seeking sort of person is, is cool, for, for want of a better word. It's attractive and it's fashionable. Whatever the motivations may be, I'm not that fussed. As long as we can connect the dots back to, here's Jesus, who is the ultimate ethical example. Here's the ultimate justice-seeker. So if you are passionate about working with students, you are so welcome here. It is great to have you with us today. A couple of things before we kick off. We would love to update your feed with new podcasts every other Thursday. Uh, to help us do that, please subscribe. That makes life so much easier to get these out to you. Secondly, if you get stuff from this content, which I should hope you do, Esther is absolutely amazing, uh, would you consider sharing it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever you would share that kind of stuff? That makes such a difference to us. Not only does it help get the word out there, but it also encourages other student workers and other students to start thinking about uh, social justice and what that looks like in their ministry. Finally, there is a blog on our website to help you unpack this content, discuss it as a team, and to think through how you might apply it in your ministry. That is all on our website. You can find it at www.thestudentleadershipblog.com and you can find a link to everything that we've been talking about in this episode uh, in the resources section of that blog post. So thank you so much for joining us. Here is my interview with Esther Swaffield Bray. Okay, welcome to the Student Leadership Podcast. Um, I'm Brogan Hume, the student worker here at the Belfry, and today I'm with Esther Swaffield. Hello. Hi, Esther. You work for IGM, um, and you cover the whole of the north of England. Mm. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and uh, and yeah, and some of the work that you do with International Justice Mission? Sure. Uh, so yeah, so my name's Esther, um, and I live and work in the beautiful northeast of England, um, in the city of Durham which if you haven't visited, I encourage you to get on a train and get there now. Um, and yeah, I work for International Justice Mission. So um, I work across the north of England and actually further afield um, across England and, um, and sometimes um, across to other nations as well, um, working to encourage and inspire and equip the local church to encounter God's heart for justice mm. and then seek justice from that place. Uh, so IJM particularly, um, we're looking at fighting uh, modern slavery, um, we're the largest anti-slavery organisation in the world, um, but working with the local church uh, to combat that um, at, at ground level as well. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I, I think we first met when you came to preach at our church, the yeah. Belfry. Um, I can remember just sat there and I always tend to sit quite 
close to the front. And I can just think, remember thinking, my goodness, this woman has such a deep-seated and <laughs> unshakable desire to see injustice overthrown. Mm. I was a bit blown away, to be honest. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about a corporate sense of injustice mm. in the student generation a bit, a bit later. Um, but I want to just start by asking, where did that first get awoken mm. in you? Great question. Um, I think, if I'm honest, my parents named me really well. Mm. And, um, and, and there's been something ever since I was really young that I've had this kind of desire and this this question really to know that are things fair and that's mm. really like being the extent of my my journey with justice all the way through like my teenage years it's just this kind of inherent sense of wanting to know are things fair and it was really uh before I went to university actually I was um I did a classic gap year um <laughs> where I went and I supported a, a missionary who my family were were close to in South Africa she needed a break and I kind of took over looking after her kids and, and and helping kind of run the pastoral work of two children's homes, which in hindsight was a bit mental. So I was 19 years old, I was doing the school run and I was the, the pastor and the counsellor for two children's homes. Wow. And, um, and I remember one particular little boy who I came across called Lucky, who was um, the, yeah, the most incredible boy. He was 12 or 13 and he was completely illiterate, couldn't even write his name. And um, the thing about Lucky uh, was that he had this massive scar across his head mm. that was kind of went literally kind of from ear to ear. And um, I remember asking a few people what had happened to him. And um, and no one could tell me. No one could tell me. And um, it was evident, evident that he'd been attacked as a, as a, as a young, young child. And, um, and that really stuck with me. And that not only was this child walking around with... Um, with a kind of huge scar across his head and he was an orphan and and yeah all, all sorts of really difficult trauma but the the person that did that was walking around in the local community too and um and that wasn't okay and in that was kind of stirred in me this sense of we need to do something else here yes we need to look after lucky we need to make sure he is he is healed and hold and loved um and all those things but actually there is someone out there in the local community who is attacking children and we need to make the whole of, of the community safe. And um, I guess it's that kind of uh, that road to Jericho story where everyone goes, yeah, we'll look after the Samaritan. But the question is, why, why is the road so dangerous? Mm. And that started me on a long journey, really, um, all the way through university. Um, yeah, and, and until I found myself here. So fast forward a few years and I was part of a team setting up a house of prayer in the north of England. Um, I trained as a teacher and God interrupted my plan, really. And mm. um, I find myself with IJM now. That's great. That's great. And I, I want to probe a little bit more into mm. those those student years. Uh, and I'm hoping that a few of the people listening to this podcast will themselves be students, student leaders, leading small mm. groups or maybe even student ministries um, and still doing their degree. Can you tell us a bit about... Uh, yeah, what was that like as a student to have this sense of a of a call to justice in your life? Great question. Um, if I'm honest, I probably didn't have the fully formed language to articulate that as a student, other than this inner wrestle saying, I want to make a difference and I know that there's this purpose and I'm not sure what it is. If I'm honest, it was still very me-centred mm. and still very about what is life after uni going to look like for me and how am I going to make a difference in the world and um and yeah what is God calling me to mm. so it was still very me 
focused. Um, but I guess what is uh, what I particularly began to dig into at university was prayer and was the place of prayer and catching God's heart for this. So, and that is gradually kind of, I guess, helped me shift. And it's a long journey, one I'm still very much on, but gradually helping me shift from this place of, it's about me and my calling and what am I doing to God's heart and what he is already doing and what he is already completely sold out for and how do I join him um, on on what is his heart for justice and his best plan mm. for the world rather than my bright idea and my career plan, if mm. that makes sense. That's great. Um, so yeah, so so really it was joining with a group of friends and there was a kind of group of us at university who really, I guess, caught this passion for prayer that our church was really digging into at the time. And we used to, to meet together on um, really early mornings and sometimes late, late into the night and used to just pray and worship um, and encounter God's heart. And that's where it started to really shift and get real for me. That's great. And was your, did you have any sort of particular leaders in your church working with students that, uh, that fed into that in, in some way? If I'm honest, we, we, we've never had a student worker at our church, which is pretty unique. I'm the closest that we come to a student worker now, actually, me and my husband. And there's a couple of other of us who have stuck around and, and very much look after the students. Um, so our church pastors across the region are very much pioneers of prayer and intercession and digging in in that place. So really encouraged us. But if I'm honest, it was a, a group of us as students mm. who, who really uh, became hungry. Yeah for that and um and, and don't get me wrong Brogan student workers are amazing and yeah. vital and I love student workers <laughs> I really do but mm. there's probably something in that at the time where where and we I guess we weren't waiting for permission from anybody um and we just got on and did it yeah. um and therefore it was chaotic and it was messy and it was unstructured at times and and yeah and, and I guess that's part of the beauty of it as well um mm. is that at that time uh, kind of prior to us kind of establishing a house of prayer as the church it was a, a group of us and different groups across the region but us in Durham it was a group of us who would just meet and and pray and one of our friends had a house um, with a roof terrace. So we would literally meet up there at sunrise. So silly early in the morning and pray and worship over the city. And it's really special, really wow. special, really formational for yeah, me. That's incredible. And and you've said that uh, at your church in the moment, you are, quote, the closest thing that would come to a student <laughs> worker. Um, and you have a particular uh, focus at IGM on helping students engage with social justice. Mm. Now, all the research shows that this generation have a stronger desire for social justice than many generations before. That's clearly borne out in your own life, mm. um, you know, yeah. just sort of taking the mantle and just going with it. Um, is that something that you see in your work at the moment? Yeah, without a doubt. So, um, I mean, we're really, really blessed at IJM um, in that we um, are partnered with an amazing organisation called Just Love which if you've heard of them or haven't, do check them out because they're a, a brilliant student movement who are really championing students to pursue justice. But um, but definitely, I think even more so than when I was a student, which um, is longer ago now than I care to admit, um, 
is we're seeing young people coming through who who get justice, who mm. get this holy restlessness for the world isn't as it should be right now. And I want to see change and I want to see a shift. And even mm. um, even if they don't get the Jesus and the and the and the why, there is this inbuilt desire to see the things of the kingdom coming mm. through, you know, the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and righteousness. And and I don't necessarily think, or, you know, from my own experience, you don't always have the language for that. You mm. don't always know why you're so restless and why you care so deeply about issues of poverty and injustice and human trafficking and all those things. But but it's like there is a, a spirit at work here that is raising up a generation who are, who are really passionate about this stuff. And which is so exciting for us as the local church and us as people working with students um, to capitalise on that and to really kind of help fan into flame what what I really believe is a God-given passion and help put language towards that, help connect the dots to to the Jesus who is justice and the Mm. Jesus who came to set the captive free. And um, I think that's really exciting really exciting and mm. i don't know about about you brogan but i'm seeing that much more even in the last couple of years mm. um than even when i was a student but yeah for sure so i um i took a couple of gap years and then was a student now mm. a student worker uh, and yet looking at the difference from when i left school when i was 18 yeah to the 18 year olds that are just coming into our ministry now for um, sure it's it's kind of like worlds apart in some way yeah um and that is that is incredible and I think for you, there doesn't seem to be this divide between um, engaging in social justice and evangelism. Mm, yeah. Is, is that true? Or is that just something I'm no, you know, picking up? No, I think you're right. Um, it's so interesting. In the, um, so I read an article recently about um, Generation K, so the Katniss generation. So for those of you who have read or come across Hunger Games, the idea of, of young women particularly, and I think goes across the board, who are kind of feisty, passionate, wanting to wanting to fight for things they believe in. And um and definitely I think that's a, a, a across the board. And we're in a fortunate time, I think, where where being that kind of feisty, passionate, justice seeking, ethical living even, um, sort of person is is cool, for for want of a better word. It's attractive. You know, you've got your your kind of uh, your fair trade, your your avocado eating, your kind of vegan lifestyle, if, you know that sort of ethical lifestyle is 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 cool and it's fashionable um, at the moment. Now, whatever the motivations may be, I'm not that fussed as long as we can connect the dots back to here's Jesus, who is the ultimate ethical uh, example, who's the ultimate justice seeker, who is the ultimate, and I think we are. Yeah, we've got an opportunity there, really, to tap into something, whereas this generation care already. And um, and you're right, I don't think there is a massive difference here in terms of this is evangelism, is introducing people to the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. who flipped over tables when injustice was, was happening. And um, I think we've maybe still got a way to go in, in connecting those dots, but certainly the, the door's open. Um, it's a real exciting hook and... Um, yeah, I'm seeing much more young people who who are really keen to get involved with the justice stuff and volunteer at things and and serve and get involved in projects and go on mission trips even who don't necessarily um, profess following Christ. 
mm. yet, mm. which is cool. And do you think that's a do you think that's a bar? Would you say to student workers out there now make sure they've they've prayed a prayer, ticked a box before you get them involved in social justice? Well, you know what we um. I think we go down an interesting route if we follow that route. If we look at um, Luke 10, where Jesus kind of commissions his people, he, there's, there's, a, there's an order, there's a pattern that he sets out, which is, is go and bless communities and fellowship with them. So eat with them, get to know them, then meet their needs. So then heal the sick, then meet their needs. If they're lonely, be friends with them and then declare the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that comes forth after you've blessed and you've connected with them and you've met their needs um, and then you introduce them to the kingdom. And we so often, I think, try and do it the other way around mm. where we say, pray the, pet, pray the prayer and then you can, then we'll help you and then you can belong to our community and then we'll pray for you. And, and historically, and that, that comes without judgment, I think we see it throughout. We've wanted people to subscribe to our kind of set of beliefs and, and then you're in the in club right um i only i see that in in myself um as well whereas the model of jesus we see when we dig in is it's flipped on its head that is i'm gonna love you i'm gonna connect with you i'm gonna eat with you and then i'm gonna introduce you to who i am Mm. and um and i think once we are able to to help kind of flip that so so the people in front of us aren't another project to to kind of get over the line and then you can join all the good things that we're doing but rather, hey, come and join what God is doing and let me tell you about Jesus en route. Um, it's a beautiful invitation, I think. That's so good. That's so good. You talk about all this desire for social justice came out of a, a real drive for prayer for mm. you. And I, I just wanted to sort of press into that for a, for a couple of minutes. Is the focus on prayer still a sort of a big part of your work with IGM? massively um in fact actually the focus on prayer is what drew me to ijm in the first place if i'm honest um so ijm are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world working around the work with governments and systems and and seeing kind of crazy transformational change but that is stemmed from a place of prayer so Every member of staff across the across the world, whether you're a um, whether you're the CEO or you're me, and uh, we are all contracted to pray for a minimum of an hour a day. So, just what that looks like, kind of in in, in practicalities, we uh, first thing in the morning. So for me, it's eight thirty till nine. I get to my desk, and that first half hour is spent in prayer. So that isn't my quiet time in the morning. That is the first part of my working day. Um, is spent in prayer, um, praying for the tasks of the week, praying for my colleagues around the world, praying for the victims of injustice who we're serving. Um, and then, say, so 8.30 to 9, and then we crack on with all the tasks of the day. And um, and then again, um, in the afternoon, in the, I guess, the busiest, most productive period of the day, we stop again and we pray as a team. So I'll often Skype in my colleagues. Sometimes we'll Skype in colleagues around the world and we'll have the requests from um, from our brothers and sisters um, 
you know, that are teams in other areas as well. So we'll be praying for rescues and restorations. We'll be praying for uh, the lawyers who are stuck in cases. We'll be praying for the social workers who are, are desperately trying to get the stories out of, out of teenage girls. And we'll be praying for those who are yet to be rescued, those whose names we don't know, uh, those who we still haven't found, but we know are out there. And, um, and the reason we do that really, when there are so many other good things we could be doing, um, it's because we know the change that we seek is nothing short of miraculous in this world. Um, so we need to be cloaked with power from on high. Um, so yeah, we mm. we pray an awful lot. And as a result, we get an awful lot done. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I think that that is really encouraging to hear because I'm thinking of someone who maybe is... Uh, slightly change their hours at work so that mm. they can spend more time working with students or um, maybe someone who's just started leading a student ministry and yeah. there's so much going on and their contracts do a full-time job but they're like this is five full-time jobs and mm. um, and anyone who knows you Esther I've got to know you personally over the last <laughs> few months uh, knows that you're really quite busy like, <laughs> you're not the kind of person who tends to be like oh well you know I've got nothing to do between mm. you know now and Friday so I'll just take Wednesday off but yeah but you seem to still prioritise prayer even more so in the busyness. I, th- I try to, if I'm honest, that half an hour, especially in the morning, is the most contested part of my day. And I really have to fight for it. And I don't always get it right. Um, and I think that's probably because it's the most powerful part of my day, that it is contested. But um, I'm certain that that unless we're operating from a place of partnering with the Holy Spirit, that actually we're not going to see long-term breakthrough in the way that, that we should. I can I can very happily go go weeks, or not happily, but there's been weeks gone by where I think I haven't stopped here. And I notice it. I notice my heart drift. I notice my um, concentration drift. I notice, I notice my spirit not in a good place. And... And we've got to be, we've got to be, um, we've got to be going to the God of justice if we want to seek justice. I mean, it's a no brainer, really. But that time is contested. And, um, and there's, there's little things, I guess, little, little tricks um, and trying to mix up styles of prayer and books that I found helpful to help me get in that place. But, um, but I just really encourage anyone that's listening that, um, that, that that is really the way we'll see lasting change. Mm, that's amazing and uh, IJM undoubtedly is seeing last, uh, lasting change mm. I was doing a bit of research for this podcast and my goodness you guys are, are doing some incredible things you're now the, <laughs> yeah. the world's largest anti-slavery organisation mm. and just reading the rap sheet of top lawyers you know across the world who are now getting on board with what IJM are mm. doing is is absolutely incredible so I think one thing which I guess is a is a testimony to prayer is really the the scale of the operation. So we are a Jesus loving movement. We do not hide that. We all pray an hour a day. And um and yet we're being invited into places and countries where we really shouldn't be as a Jesus loving movement. Um and, and that's just extraordinary really. So so that's really encouraging to 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 hear that you kind of seeking that out but um I am 100% sure that unless we are praying we wouldn't be seeing the crazy breakthrough we're seeing um in countries where 
you know, other Christian organisations have been asked to leave and yet we've been invited in. It's it's kind of the topsy-turvy nature of the kingdom, I suppose. Mm. And wow, what if we saw that in this generation? Yeah. Spaces where the church has been traditionally asked to leave and step back, being invited back in. Come on. Because of what we're talking about, justice and uh, the God of justice, the God who loves justice. Yeah, I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So when you talk about social justice with students, with student workers, with uh, senior church leaders, how does that conversation go? Is there a a lot of appetite, but very little action? Or are there sort of some commonly perceived barriers? Or are they just generally pretty positive, those conversations? Great question. Um, It's an interesting one, really. In terms of students, I think we've touched upon already that there is is a hunger um, often I think there's a, an almost a hesitancy of I need to wait until I graduate and when I'm in a job then I'm going to make then I'm going to do it then I'm going to make a difference because I'm a student and I'm I mean I'm really busy which students are and I've got all this work to do and um, and so what I'll do is I'll talk about this now and I'll do later which is absolutely fine and don't get me wrong talking and dreaming and scheming is is so important and really exciting and as students I think there's a there's time that you've got to be able to wrestle with these ideas with one another to debate to 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 scheme and look into the future and think what might this look like in my life moving forward however the flip side of that is that is that there are things absolutely that students uh, can be doing in the here and now you have got more time um, more disposable time more flexibility with your schedules than many others you've got I guess for the first time for many the opportunities to make decisions about what you buy where you spend your money you know your things like consumer choices you've got a captive group of people in in your kind of the 18 to 24 bracket um, who are who are forming their own opinions of of what what they believe about the world. And, and that's an exciting time, therefore, to be inviting other people to think about their lifestyle choices, um, what they might do with their holidays, how they might volunteer or get involved with local projects. And, um, and in, in university towns up and down the country, there will be amazing projects and, uh, and schemes and missions going on who are crying out for energy and enthusiasm and for an extra pair of hands. And, um, and what I, I guess I would encourage um, is, is to get your hands dirty, is to go and learn and go and say, hey, can I make some sandwiches for this event that you're doing tonight for these vulnerable people? And, and if you're prepared to learn and serve, there is no end to the amount of good you can do uh, when, you're on, when you're at university. Mm, that's great. And there, there, you talk about that perceived barrier of... Um sort of, oh, I don't have the time or the money or the resources or, or whatever it is. Um, are there any real barriers that you find that you're talking with students or student workers where you're like, actually, I do recognise that is a bit more difficult for students? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, um, I guess the challenge that we have as student workers as well is, um, is how do we encourage and release and be hands off. I know um, a challenge that, that I personally have often is I'm, I want to really protect and, and really kind of be walking alongside one-on-one with each student and each of their passions and each of their callings. And the passion for me, as a, with my student worker hat on, 
is to release and to and to help students go out and then come back to a place they can be fed and released again and I think that's a a a key one because um it would be a lot easier if we had the one thing that we do as a church and the reality is with 60 plus students loads of them have got different passions and callings and they are capable and to be hands-off and to be able to release them is is really important and um that's why I guess organisations like Just Love, for example, and who work with us as IJM very closely, are great in terms of facilitating training and 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 enabling students to look at a vast, vast area um, of things. Um, I guess as well on a really, um, really practical level, often you're here for eight weeks and then you go off again. And... Um, and especially in Durham, we have super short terms. So it feels like you've got 10 weeks disappear for a month, nine weeks to disappear for five weeks. And and that in the past has been a source of frustration, if I'm honest, in terms of getting things off the ground, um, getting kind of a consistent movement going. And um, I guess two things have happened. And the first is this, I've um, I've stopped or I've been challenged not to be frustrated by that but excited at the potential that we have to really invest in the hearts of young people and then send them off to make a difference around the world. Like that is what an incredible privilege. And and to kind of stop uh, getting frustrated a little bit. And yes, it, uh, still occasionally you kind of think, oh, you go in front of the five weeks, brilliant. Um, and also the second thing is, is to start really praying um, for the students who, who Perhaps there's potential that, that God might just break their heart for the local community. They might just stay. And um, I mean, we're seeing that in Durham now with uh, a small group who God's really captured their heart uh, for the homeless community in Durham and who said, uh, who decided um, to stay. And they're actually now working with a couple of the local churches to establish a year long night shelter, um, which is unbelievably encouraging. And they have said, yeah, we're going to give our give our lives to this. And um and that's been the product of a lot of prayer, really. And we've got a group who who are now committing to seek justice um, in in the local area. And, um, and that's exciting. So I guess a shift from frustration to excitement in terms of the global reach we have, especially based with students who will go off and be leaders in different spheres across the world. And then prayer that God will really encounter their hearts for something here in the now and that's exciting trying to hold those two things in tension I guess that's great that's great so um let's just throw a few scenarios at you Mm. um uh so let's say uh I'm leading a student work with uh, 15 students and I'm part-time kids part-time worship uh part-time preaching part-time student work uh part-time cleaning duty (laughs) oh and also part-time you know making sure the car park's all right, you know, yeah. a lot of hats on. Are you okay? Yeah, that's I, pretty I, full on. There's a lot on. I need to find an alpha prayer each day as well now. Take a Sabbath, mate. Take a Sabbath. <laughs> and, and my question is, um, okay, my students aren't don't really be aren't really engaging in much to social justice. There's kind of a desire there that I'm picking up, um, but where do I start? Like, how can I start getting them involved in social justice? Mm, great, um, great question. I think as a as a hook into any of these things, I mean it sounds it sounds like a kind of um, throwaway comment, but it's got to be an encounter with God's heart, and I'd encourage you to to start kind of 
um, sharing good stories of what God is doing around the world. Let's start, even just, just kind of, let's start whispering stories about Jesus who set the captive free. Let's start telling the good news stories from around the world. And I am certain that when we start sharing what God's doing, the Holy Spirit ignites that and, and sets on fire. You can't help but be excited when you hear about transformation and liberation and healing going on around the world. Like that is exciting. So I would encourage you to, to start with some good stories. And you can you can access those all over if you get onto the IJM UK website or follow us on Twitter, like daily you'll see stories of God breaking through and and God setting people free and about people having their lives restored. And I'd encourage you, just start dropping these stories in. Um, similarly, yeah. videos and short films and creative ways of just connecting in with the global story that helps us to lift our eyes from the deadlines and the essays and the dissertation and helps us to lift our eyes to the big picture of what God's doing. I think that's, that's a good place to start. That's great. We'll put some links to those in the uh, show notes. Uh, for this and also on our website, thestudentleadershipblog.com, where there'll be a blog all about this with loads of links. Um, But can you just shout those out for us? IJM, what's your website? Um, It's ijmuk.org is our website. And then on Twitter, we're ijmuk, or ijm is the global as well, but ijmuk and you'll get some UK specific stuff. Brilliant. And we'll pick out some videos and stick links to those. That's fantastic. Um, And so... Uh, now my student worker who's doing 5,000 different things at once. Um, We're sharing the stories and students are getting excited and we want to do some sort of events for it. Mm. Um, Events focusing on social justice, helping students engage. Have you got anything that you've seen, maybe you've done yourself, you've seen at other churches uh, that you can just share as ideas? Absolutely. Um, Oh, I love working with students because they are the most creative, brilliant um, group. But um, a few ideas I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw out there. Um, amazing group uh, in Liverpool recently I was working with who decided to host an ethical fashion show. So it was the most brilliant, hilarious evening. They did music. They put this amazing uh, show on it. They invited all their mates and um, they got um, local businesses involved, sponsoring them with clothes. They put on food. And it ended up, I mean, back to the evangelism question, I'm sure two-thirds of the people that were there didn't know Jesus and yet came into the church building, had an amazing night and left with questions of why do Christians care about, why do Christians care about this? The answer is, oh, because we love our neighbour and we love the world. And it was such a brilliant example of, actually it was students from a number of churches, now I come to think about it, working together on a beautiful creative project, um, which now a year on, I know has sprung into different kind of active groups. They're doing campaigns, they're doing fundraising. Some of them are volunteering. Um, some are applying for jobs in the justice sphere. And um, and that was a cool catalyst for that, really creative. Um, another event we often do is called Stand for Freedom, where groups literally take uh, 24 hours to take a stand, a literal stand in a public place. Um, to, to stand for what they believe in, in terms of modern slavery and anti-human trafficking and seeing the most creative ways of doing that in terms of creating big kind of city-wide displays. Um, we're talking music, we're talking interactive ways. Um, one in Durham that uh, did recently, um, alongside the Stand for Freedom, 
Um, four guys cycled 365 miles in the 24 hours um, in order to kind of one day for what was it? One day for a year, I guess, of of one mile per day of per year of someone being trafficked. Um, and they did a kind of prayer for justice, prayer for freedom that went alongside it. And it was this kind of multifaceted event that just made a huge amount of noise across the university. It was picked up by the press. Um, that again, like a really amazing springboard for conversations about the the Jesus that that loves, the Jesus that leaves the ninety nine in search of the one, the Jesus that that crosses the road, and um and again super creative people from all sorts of backgrounds getting involved. Um, so those are kind of two two lovely ideas. But um, the mm. question I I often ask um is a question that we see God ask Moses. In, in Exodus, where um, where God commissions Moses to go and, and liberate the people. And Moses obviously is like, I'm too young, I don't, you know, I can't speak properly, I'm not the one, etc. etc. Send that other person. And God says to him, What's in your hands? And for Moses, that was his shepherd staff, which I guess would have represented his income, his identity, his influence, even. But um but I love that question, what's in your hands? And I think that's a great question for us to be asking our students and asking ourselves today. You know, what's in our hands? You know, are we an artist? Can we paint pictures of freedom? Are you a songwriter? You know, are you a storyteller? Can you tell stories of hope? You know, are you a real influence in your social group? And can you start um, challenging the status quo and, and the norm? Um, are you have you have you got a real passion for prayer? Let's start praying for this. Let's start gathering people. Do you love cooking? Well, let's cook a dinner. Let's have a dinner party, and let's be chatting justice around the table. Yeah, we've all got things in our hands. So let's ask that question. How can God use those to bring justice and bring liberation? That's fantastic. That is absolutely brilliant. Um, and a few final things I just want to pick up on. Um, before we finish up, you keep mentioning Just Love. Mm. Um, we're going to stick a link to that again in the show notes on our website. Uh, they're an amazing organisation. I'd encourage anyone who's interested to check them out. Um, if you've got anyone who's in third year and they're kind of thinking, I really care about this stuff, but um, maybe I haven't seen much of it on, at my local church, or maybe actually my local church have been amazing in encouraging me, um, but I don't know where to go next. Have you got any suggestions for them of, of where to where to look for after uni? Definitely. I mean, I would absolutely love to invite you uh, to apply for the Justice Leadership Programme uh, with IJM, which are, is our sort of year-long programme of, of leadership training and investment um, and an opportunity to be part of a global organisation. And, um, and yeah, applications for that will open after Christmas. But the Justice Leadership Programme, it's a, yeah, an amazing year-long um, opportunity for some hands-on experience in the justice sphere and some really good um, investment and training into what it looks like to be a person of justice um, whatever sphere you then go on to um, so yeah that would be a great a great thing to look into that's brilliant and um, that I'd also encourage any student workers who are in a similar position uh, to myself around this time of year and um, that is first term I'm starting to look at my third years thinking uh, okay what might God be calling them to um, and actually, a lot of the time, I go to them with that question. I say, what is God calling you to? Mm. So having that kind of um, stuff in the back of your mind, um, the Justice Leadership Programme um, and various other great gap years, uh, it's really worth thinking about early on in the year uh, so that 
they're not just finishing off their dissertation and discover that application is closing or, or anything like that. Esther Swaffield Bray, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Um, and if there's one thing that you would love a student worker, maybe someone who's working full-time leading established student ministry, to take away from this podcast about justice, about caring for the poor, about engaging with students, um, what do you think that might be? What a thing. Mm. Um... I would say it is all about the heart. So an encounter with God's heart um, will fuel the rest of the journey. So how do we uh, facilitate an encounter with God's heart for justice and seek justice from that place? That's so good. Esther Swaffield Brain, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Student Leadership Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed and got as much out of that as I did. As I said at the beginning, at the bottom of the show notes, there is a link to our blog. And on there, there are all the resources that Esther Swaffield Bray was talking about. We would love to share those with you. So please do check out our website, www.thestudentleadershipblog.com. And coming up in two weeks time, we have got Ness Wilson talking about how to raise up leaders. Make sure you don't miss out. Subscribe and hear everything that Ness has to say. Here is a short clip. Whenever people step up and have a go, we've got a culture of feedback so that, so that every time somebody is stepping out, they can then improve for the next time. We have a menu of small opportunities. So as well as someone doing a, a talk, um, we always have somebody do a three minute gospel presentation. So that's a great way of giving loads of people a little opportunity to craft a short talk, deliver it, and then get feedback. It's a great interview, so make sure you subscribe and check it out. But from us, that is everything. Have a great couple of weeks serving students. Production support on this episode comes from Josh Allen and music is by Argo Fox and Vexcento. It is licensed under Creative Commons.